Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. This is our first Wednesday episode in 2023, and I hope you are sticking to your New Year's resolutions, whatever they were. This is another special Wednesday morning episode brought to you by our sponsor, Jeremy Cleverger Fitness, who we featured on episode 145. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know that Jeremy helped me get in the best shape of my life in 2022. And if you're planning on working on your health and fitness goals in 2022, 2023, I encourage you to put Jeremy in your corner to help you as well. There are links in the show notes to find all of his services. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. Now, this year I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander series, and you'll get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on, on my website, so check it out if you are looking to step up your leadership game in 2023. Also, as a reminder, Deep Leadership is ranked in the top 2% most popular shows out of 3 million podcasts globally and is now ranked in the top 100 management podcasts in the U.S. thanks to all of your support. And I want to thank each and every one of you for listening in every week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today we're going to be talking about strategy and culture, and my guest is Shaney Magoski. Shaney has a passion for leaders, strategy, and culture. She has seen the positive organizational effects when the leader has the strategy and culture aligned. Now, unfortunately, these situations are rare, and she's on a mission to fix it. It was fun to talk to someone who shares my same passion to build a world with better bosses and cultures, and I know you're going to love this episode. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. 
Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Shani Magowski. Shani is the founder of the Leadership Project. She is a highly sought-after leadership consultant, executive coach, and best-selling author. She hosts the Leadershifter Show podcast, which I was honored to be on, and her vision is to see a world filled with better leaders and companies filled with better cultures. And I am excited to have her on the show to talk about the leader's role in unifying the business strategy and culture. So Shani, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here and um, and glad we're able to reciprocate. I loved having you on my show. I don't know if you read my show notes, but I said you were one of the most fascinating guests I've ever had because I am so impressed with you having been on a nuclear submarine. It's, <laughs> it's like <laughs> one of those things that I'm just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed being on your show and you had some great questions. You're a great interviewer and I really, uh, really got a lot, got a lot out of it. And yeah, I think it's kind of strange to meet somebody who's been, you know, spent part of their life under the ocean. So it's a weird, <laughs> it's a small community of people that do it. And usually they're, there's something wrong with them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think uh, there's something right with you. And I'll say it 10,000 times. I really appreciate your service. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was fun. It was absolutely an honor. So, but let's talk about you. I mean, that's why you're on, you're on on my show. So (laughs) let's talk a little bit about your background and how you ended up getting into coaching, consulting, writing, speaking, and doing what you do. Yep. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I wish there was a really simple answer, and I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest <laughs> version. I, uh, after I graduated from college at the University of Miami, I moved to New York and worked on Wall Street, even though I had a degree in marketing and sociology. And I, I worked at Goldman Sachs, which was a great experience. And one of the things I appreciated most, especially about the firm back then, was just amazing culture, preeminent culture on uh, not just on Wall Street, but among any big visible company. They really cared about their people. They invested in people. They were really, to my knowledge, the first big bank to invest in leadership development through uh, something called Pine Street. And I had a very personal um, experience with the beneficence of their culture when I was, gosh, in my third year there. So I'm like 25, 26 years old. And my then fiance, who was a a doctor, a resident at Mount Sinai Hospital in the Upper East Side of Manhattan, was out of blue diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Mm, And yeah, exactly. (laughs) No words, no words. He was 27. Amazing guy. And he died seven months later in our apartment, you know, the whole nine and (laughs) have me on a show, you know, with some beers and I can tell people the full (laughs) story. (laughs) Um, Anyway, while I was caring for him, I was his primary caregiver while he was sick. He lived with me and that's what that's what we wanted. My boss and my boss's boss and all my colleagues were very supportive didn't they were like come to the office if you want to don't come to the office if you know you feel like you want to be with Alan we're not going to dock your paycheck and count vacation days we're we're not going to dock your bonus like so supportive I couldn't believe it they all showed up at the funeral it it was just really it it touched my heart forever and it stuck with me It, it it continued to stick with me so fast forward I 
worked at Goldman for about 11 years. And then I uh, was a leader in, in a couple of other businesses. And after a while of roles in different industries, different functional areas, et cetera, I decided I, I wanted to hang my own shingle as, as a leadership consultant. And at the same time, I decided, you know, as part of, actually not as part of, the first step in changing culture is changing the mindset of leaders. Mm -hmm. And that really oftentimes needs to be done one-on-one. -on -one. So I thought I need to become an executive coach too. So as a parallel process of starting my business, I went and, and got my coaching certification. And since that time, I've gotten, I don't know, like 17 other certifications. So I've got, you know, the whole alphabet of initials after my name, but all in service of being able to serve my clients in the, in the best way possible and with a lot of arrows in my quiver. And in terms of the book, you know, you, you've written three books yourself you know, you just, you want to share your knowledge because you feel like you can help people. It's it's not about publishing a book. It's about getting thought leadership and, and different ideas out to the world. Mm. Yeah, it's really important. And I think you just touched on something that's really important. It's like, if you're going to want to change the culture of a business, you have to change the mindset of the leader. And that's really, really powerful. And it's one of the things that I saw as a problem. I did 22 years in corporate America, working in various <laughs> roles. Uh, and one, one of the things I saw is there was definitely um, people that had a mindset, uh, a fixed mindset. They weren't going to change that this, this is the way they've been doing business their entire career. And uh, I, I have all the answers. I'm going to tell you what to do. And uh, I'm not going to change. And I'm not willing to learn and to uh, do things that are outside my comfort zone. They were strict, you know, by the book, fixed mindset. And yeah. they were the ones that weren't as successful as some of us, some of us other leaders who were humble, trying to learn, trying to figure, you know, what what's the best way to engage the people to get the maximum results and, and really being curious and humble and authentic. And, and we were the ones getting the better results. And it was interesting because you because it was it was all a mindset issue of the leader. Yeah, exactly. And and a willingness to open that mind and adopt a different mindset, not just in a check the box kind of way but in a way that translates to different thoughts and different behaviors. Mm. And, you know, that's really a lot of that's accomplished through executive coaching, because as a coach, we're there to, 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 to challenge leaders, mm. you know, not in a, in a confrontational way, but as a way. So we are holding mirrors up to them and we're asking them provocative questions to get them to really think about, how they behave and what the impact is and what the consequences are good and bad, of course, because we want people to keep doing the things that they're already doing right. And, you know, people don't know what they don't know. I think frankly, in, in our generation, part of the reason we still see so many uh, fixed mindset leaders is we had really crappy role models. Like <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, seriously, the baby boomers were very command and control pillar of knowledge even if they didn't know everything they had to pretend they knew everything the ego problem was rampant and and so that really set a bad precedent for our generation because you know people started to as they ascended into leadership model what 
they saw as the leaders that they grew up with. And, and I, I'm part of, as are you, breaking those bad habits because times have changed. Like the economy has changed from a manufacturing economy to a service economy since the baby boomers were starting out of business. And, and the generations have obviously massively changed in the workplace. And what people want today is vastly different than what our predecessors wanted. Yeah, absolutely. I often say that um, that many managers today have never worked for a good leader, and it shows. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, definitely it shows for sure. So, um, ex- tell us a little bit about what the the leadership project is. What do you do, and what makes your company so special? Sure. Well, when I was thinking about the company, it's like, well, it has to have leadership in it because that's what I'm passionate about. That's who I'm helping. Right, that's my target market, and. So it's part of the branding. I'm like, but leadership is so boring. And back to the whole, I mean, not boring, but it, it's, it's, it, everyone says leadership. <laughs> and one of my characteristics is I always like to stand out from the crowd, be unique. I tend to be pretty provocative and, you know, that might not be some people's cup of tea and that's totally fine with me, but it goes back to mindset that the best leaders are able to shift. And yes, shift strategy, shift geographic focus, shift their team, shift their product mix. Yes, yes, all the business variables need to shift over time to keep up with competition and technology. And the most important thing that needs to shift is mindset, perspective, thoughts, emotions, right? Because it all starts internally and the leaders are modeling the behavior for other people. And if they're not modeling the behaviors that honor the values, and by the way, the values have to be real, not just Mm. posters on a wall, then no one's going to follow suit. So I, that's, so I was like, okay, play on the word leadership, leader shift, because all great leaders need to know how to shift. Mm. And pretty much everything I do falls under that larger umbrella from the executive coaching to consulting on culture change and other general change management and uh, team coaching, lo- lots of different things that that fall in that wheelhouse. Hmm. When, when, when clients come to you, what are they typically trying to do? Is it, is it to solve a problem, to change a culture, to fix things that are broken, or, or are they thinking, look, we're pretty good right now, but we want to be even better. What, what, where, when do they come to you typically? Well, it's, it's a funny question and I may have, may have a funny answer. you be the judge of that. So a lot of clients come to me with things like, employees are disengaged. Can you come do a keynote and fix that? Oh. <laughs> right? Right, exactly. It's the employees. Or- Right. Or, or, you know, the, we, we have a problem in our, in our culture. Can you do a workshop for leaders? Mm. Well, when you say workshop, what do you mean? Oh, you know, like a two, half day, two, two to four hour thing. It's like, no, that isn't going to solve anything, right? If, if you want to train for a marathon, is running for two hours once going to help you successfully run a marathon? It, it blows my mind 
how little leaders and even people in leadership uh, development, L&D, or learning and development think it's it's simple. It's not simple. It's very complex. There's lots of layers of the onion to peel back. And behavior change takes sort of somebody's m- emotional mind to be blown so that they feel motivated to make some changes. And even if they feel motivated, it takes an ungodly amount of repetition mm-hmm. before those behavior changes become habitual. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's... I do have a couple of clients now who really get it. And one client, for example, who started with a one-year engagement at the most senior leadership level, realizing that that is the tip of the iceberg. It's going to be a multiple-year process. We're starting at the top. We're going to start cascading it down to next levels of people, people leadership. And, And they get that you can't, move a battleship, uh, you know, <laughs> or yeah. a submarine, you know, by going. <laughs> right. It takes, it takes a long time to turn a battleship for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you, you touched on something that I, and I, and I, and it's really been the, the emphasis, uh, the, the, the reason why I write and why I do this podcast is you say, you know, it, that we, we, you know, Gallup shows us that about 70% of employees are disengaged at work right. today. And and I, I kind of go back to leadership being the issue, but just in your view, what, what are, what are some reasons why there's so much disengagement in the workforce, even uh, as, as we, you know, we went through all this COVID stuff, we work remote, we, we were trying to do all sorts of things, but still the level of engagement disengagement is is kind of remained the same. It didn't really change over COVID. It's typically been about 70% year over year. And I don't know, just your thoughts on why it exists and what the leader's role is in that. Right. Well, leaders set the tone. And, you know, I always say to leaders, if you don't have the team that you want or a team that you feel comfortable delegating to, team that you can fully trust, that's your fault. Hmm. Okay. And so similarly, if you have a disengaged workforce, that's also your fault. Yes. And, you know, not that they can go spend time with every single person in the organization, but the things that they do and say, and frankly, the things they don't do and don't say make a huge impact. People aren't stupid. They pick up on this shit. They see when there's no integrity, you know, alignment between words and actions. They they see that they're deprioritized to, you know, for corporate jets instead of career development training. Like, I mean, they see all this stuff. And so it's no wonder that people are disillusioned and they don't feel that they're given the tools to succeed, both technologically and training, right? I mean, if, if in this day and age, if companies aren't on a treadmill of upskilling, forget about it because, mm. you know, things change so rapidly. And so if, if people don't feel that the shut up for success, that's really frustrating. Um, if we, we've got micromanagers who won't let people learn and, and fail forward and, and, continue to develop themselves. People want that autonomy to do things themselves, to develop a sense of pride. And we need to let 
employees fail. I mean, we don't want nuclear subs to fail, right? There's a different <laughs> category of failure, but a lot of things in corporate America are not going to be the end of the world. Like the ice caps aren't going to finish melting because, you know, someone screwed up an order. Yeah. No, actually, you 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 touch on something that's really important, and I write about it in my books. One of the things the Navy did for us is they gave us opportunities for controlled failure. So we stood these junior officer of the watch uh, uh, watches, and so we had a senior watch stander over us, right? And they would throw every casualty drill at us imaginable. They gave us things that we'd never seen before, and um, and we inevitably screwed up. And we would stop the drill and we would do a debrief. And the point is, is that when you fail, it's a it's an emotional response and you you don't want you don't want to fail again. So you're more open, willing to learn and figure out, OK, what did I do wrong? What could I do differently? And so, you know, that, you know, being in a situation where you're allowed to fail in a controlled manner is a great and powerful way to learn. That's how I became a great submarine officer is having those opportunities to fail. And I always did that in my in my businesses where I had, you know, up and coming potential leaders. I give them projects. And I put them like sort of under my wing and let them run the project a little bit, but give kind of give them the opportunity to screw up so they get those chances to to make mistakes and have that, you know, deep emotional learning. And what I what I notice is, is that we don't like to do that in corporate. We don't like failure. We don't want we don't want to spend the time allowing people to learn on their own. We want everything to be safe. We give the tough assignments to our most senior employees and we take our most junior employees and we give them grunt work. Until yeah. you have 10 years of experience, then we'll maybe give you a project of which you probably have the skills to do it right now. You right. Know? And that was yeah, frustrating further, to me. Furthermore, managers tend to delegate to the people whom they trust the most at the expense of yes. the people who haven't had a chance to prove themselves, which further widens the gap yes. between those they trust and those they don't, because the other people aren't even given the opportunity to learn and prove themselves and all this. I mean, the, there are myriad problems that cause the disengagement. You know, you know, another thing we see is employees that don't feel the least bit of connection to the mission, the vision, the values of the company. Yeah. Right. They just they need a job, but they don't even like what the company does or what it represents. Well, that's not engaging. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. Yeah. I, and that's the, those are the guys that are just clocking, you know, coming in, you know, clocking in, clocking out and uh, just keeping their head down and, and trying to keep their jobs so they can feed their family. They don't care, you know, and, and because we haven't engaged with them as to why and what they do and why it's so important. And so they don't see their, their uh, role as critical to the mission. We and we have a and I saw that a lot in especially in big companies where nobody knew what the mission was, nobody knew what the objectives were, and nobody knew what their how their role impacted that. Right, and then companies wonder why their turnover rate is so high. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. 
This podcast is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Now, don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to help take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. So if you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at jeremyclevengerfitness.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Fraternity of Excellence. The Fraternity of Excellence is an online and real-world community for men who are looking to improve in all areas of their lives. The men of FOE are working together to become better husbands, fathers, and leaders at work and in their communities. They live by a simple philosophy, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, I've been a member for more than three years, and for me, I finally found a brotherhood of men that I was missing from my time in the military. Now, I love being around guys who are dedicated to becoming a better version of themselves. So if you're interested in becoming a man of excellence as well, go to fraternityofexcellence.com, or you can reach out directly to me to learn more. Well, let's talk a little bit about this. Um, how is uh, strategy and culture connected? So you've got strategy on one hand, you've got culture on the other. How are they connected and what's the leader? How is the leader involved in that? Yeah, thank you for that question because it's, it's time for me to get up on my soapbox. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. Strategy is always done at the top level, right? The strategy is set by the C-suite and the board of directors, blah, blah. And usually culture is delegated slash relegated to somewhere else in the organization. Maybe it's under HR. Uh, Yeah, usually it's under HR. And, you know, it's one of the zillion things that HR is trying to do. And so it doesn't necessarily happen as, as urgently and as powerfully as it needs to be. And they're not necessarily given the resources. It's more just like a window dressing mm. to say well, we've, we're focused on culture. And, and that's a huge mistake. Culture has to be on the same level as strategy because they, they work together. Strategy cannot be achieved unless leaders have created an environment where employees motivated, engaged enough to execute that strategy. Mm. So companies are always going to fail. I mean, there's enough challenges out there, even if companies did have an engaged workforce, right? I mean, that's why the military uh, uses DARPA, right? And, and, And the business community has adopted VUCA, as a way to describe all the crazy stuff going on in the in the business climate right now, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Like that's all happening, no matter whether your company's you know amazing at culture or not amazing at culture. So layer onto that, having a disengaged workforce, well, they're never going to execute on their strategy. So for me, when you're hitting when you're setting strategy simultaneously. You need to be thinking about, okay, what is the culture that needs to be maintained in order for these things to happen? 
and and not just what are the words of the culture, what are the cultural behaviors that are observable so that we know whether the culture is really real or not. I, I love that you're saying this because, I mean, I've gotten a chance to do this on a micro level with a small business, starting my own manufacturing business seven years ago. We were able to say, this is what our vision is, this is what our strategy is, and this is the culture that's going to support that. So it's easier to do it when you have a small business and, you know, you don't have, I don't have 10,000 employees. So it's easier to do. But, you know, we said, for example, we were going to be a, a different kind of supplier. So we were going to do all the things that the big companies do that piss off the customers. We're going to do just the opposite, right? So, for example, when there's a problem and a customer call us, we say, no problem. We'll send you a replacement right away. We don't question it. Whereas the, the bigger companies would say, well, you know, what did you do wrong? You know, how did you do? So they, they, they would challenge the customer every time. And we say, no problem. We'll take it back. We'll give you a new one. No, no questions asked. Right. So, but to be able to say that we were going to operate in that mindset, right? I needed all the people who were going to answer the phones. Anyone who's going to talk to customers that you have to you know, a lot of them came from, they work with me in corporate America, where that was the mindset, which was to say no at first. Yeah. But we had to teach them to say, yes, it's okay. Yeah, we'll replace it. No problem. And and so it took us to build a culture of we are going to support our customers no matter what. And uh, because that's consistent with what we want to be uh, as, a, as a supplier in our industry. So the two were connected. And it was important that I taught them, this is what your role is in that uh, strategy. Yes, I love that. That's a brilliant example. So you have a culture of customer comes first. The but one of the behaviors that you expect from your people is to not question if the customer has a problem and to just send them a new one. Right. 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 That's a behavior that's observable and measurable. And you know what? Happy employee is going to make a happy customer. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and I, you know, I could see in the beginning it was hard because. They would come to me and say, oh, it's not, it's really his fault, the customer's fault. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Remember what we said we were going to do. It, it, our, right. It's consistent with our values is to replace it. And they're like, oh, but it's going to cost us. No, you don't understand. It's consistent with our behaviors. And so the leader has to make sure they reinforce that as well. Because if we and don't reward and reinforce the behaviors we want to see in our team, if we don't do that, then the culture is just left to, to wander into whatever it ends up being. You know, So it's an intentional Absolutely. act on the leader. Absolutely. And, you know, what What people who don't think five steps ahead don't realize, oh, you know, it's going to cost us money. Well, it won't because this is going to be a repeat customer. That's right. It. They're going to have such a great experience with us that they're going to be a loyal customer for life, a raving fan who's going to tell their friends and family and neighbors. That's it. So we save in marketing costs trying to find new customers by taking care of the ones we already have. It's a simple process. And this and, and that's why I keep explaining to my employees. They're like, oh, it's going to cost us. I don't I don't care how much it costs us because we don't have to go find another customer. You don't understand. And 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 I think as the as as they've embraced that and understood that and they see the loyalty of our customers now, they say, Oh, I see what you're doing. I see that this works. It doesn't make sense, maybe in the short term, in the long term, it does make sense. Right. It is and and that made me think of something else, which is some leaders get really siloed mm. where again, you can't separate all the functions, right? Sales, marketing, operations, people, leadership, um, uh, cu customer retention, you know, customer, um, customer service, all of these things 
go together and support yeah. each other. And, yeah. you know, so if marketing's not talking to operations or customer service, they're missing the opportunity that you're seizing. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 we talked, you talked about in the beginning, and I, I think that's a really important is we can't outsource leadership to HR. So we no. can't. We can't say that, oh, I'm going to let HR deal with the culture. Oh, I'm going to let HR deal with the hiring, firing, development of people. This is your this is your job as the leader. And if you're outsourcing that to HR and then you're wondering why people are leaving, then you just haven't taken ownership of that. that that's something, you know, it's funny because I, I tell people that leadership is about, you know, it's about influencing people towards a goal. There's three things, influence people and a goal. That's it. Those are those three things. And and so we make leadership more complicated, but then many leaders find themselves just doing emails and sitting in meetings and, and they forget about the mission. They forget about the motivation of the, and they forget about the people. And those are the three things that you got to be doing and thinking about. And those tie into the, the, the strategy and the culture. What is it you want to do as an organization? How do you want to motivate your team to get there? You know, and uh, and and how do you treat your people with respect so that they know that their voice is heard and they can do that? So these three things work in, in alignment, and yet we see many leaders, uh, or I'll say managers, uh, in in uh, in conference rooms with the door shut, sitting on conference calls all day long and never engaging with their team. And then we wonder why is there seventy percent disengagement in our country? Yeah, exactly. So I just want to add on to that, which is it's amazing at what senior levels you still see that disease of being a slave to email as opposed to actually doing something meaningful. And and I'll just, I am really blunt with my executive coaching clients. And not, again, not in a nasty way. Yeah. In a, like, you know, I'm sorry if nobody else has been this honest with you, but I care enough about your success to tell you the truth and hold a mirror up to your face so that you yeah. can really think about what you're doing. Um, and I'll say, whoever got promoted because they were really speedy at answered e answering emails. Right, right. Right, it, except maybe someone in customer service, right? But that, <laughs> right, it's, and they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, no, why have you gotten promoted over the years? Well, because I handled a stretch assignment really well, or I came up with this new innovative product, or I, I cut, you know, 25% of the cost out of manufacturing, right? Big things. I'm like, okay, so what does that tell you that you shouldn't be focused on? Right, right, right. exactly. Do the big things, lead your people, you yeah. know, get those big things done. Yeah, it's interesting. So yeah, be a leader, not a doer. And that's, and and we get comfortable in the, I'm just going to do my emails today with my door shut. And, and that's not leadership. That's email ship. That's exactly, exactly. <laughs> get out there. Visit with the people, see what's going on in your company, because people are not going to tell you, right? Because yeah. <laughs> go see what's going on um, and engage with people, talk to people, talk to your employees, talk to your vendors, talk to your customers, get a real finger on the pulse as opposed to hanging out behind that closed door. Yeah, absolutely. You, you had you had something in your website. I just was going to ask what it is. You, you have a, what's, you call it a leadership culture MRI. What is that? Yep. So there are a few different tools that I am certified in and use with clients to really help shine a light on 
what's wrong in the body of the organization. That's why I call it an MRI. And, you know, another thing I am known for doing is trying to take jargon and turn it into something more relatable. And everybody knows what MRI is. So instead of saying, well, it's the leadership circle profile culture survey, or, <laughs> or the, which is what it is, you know, um, I call it a leader, you know, a, a leadership MRI so we can see what's really going on. And also it's very, it, it things, th these tools have basis in science and research and they're, they are not just qualitative, but, but quantitative. So they tend to satisfy those left brain people who want to see some numbers. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. They, they want to see have to have some science behind it. So yeah. that that's what the leadership MRI is about. <laughs> okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then you know, that happens uh, for individual leaders and for teams and organizations, we can do it across any level. Wow, that that that's good, and, and I like I like you said. I think you're right. Sometimes we need to speak the language of of the person in charge, and sometimes that's numbers, and uh, you know, and so sometimes we have to show a chart that says, "Here's what is ideal, here's where you're at, and here's what we can do to fix it," because that's the language that they speak. And so, like you said, uh, some people need to see that analytical tool to show them where the problem is. They don't believe you by the, you know, uh, anecdotal evidence that you're providing they want to see numbers and so that's why right. these tools are great these cultural tools to be able to just sort of say okay well here's here's ideal here's you here's what we can do to close that gap and and i think Absolutely. that's yeah that's th those are valuable because you're speaking the language of the individual maybe that's in charge that needs to see the numbers yeah absolutely yeah. The, so this has been great. I mean, I think we touched on a lot of different things. I think one of the things that's really important, and, and I'll just stress, uh, because you are a coach, and uh, is that you know leaders that you're that are listening in here, and and if you don't don't have a mentor, if you don't have a coach, if you don't have a someone that you can talk to that is not within your organization, I really highly encourage you to find someone. Uh, uh, Shani is a great example of someone that can come in and help and be that. Um, mirror, as you mentioned, that to show you things that maybe you don't see uh, yourself. And so if you don't have a third party, someone outside your organization, you can talk to on a regular basis. I highly encourage you to find somebody. And I highly encourage you to check out Shaney's work and the work that she's doing, because she could really help you as well. Shaney, how can people find out more about your company? Uh, you have a book as well. Uh, and uh, all the things that you offer your your your, your podcast as well. Absolutely. Website is theleadershiftproject.com. All my social media is basically that. And uh, my LinkedIn, I, I do under my name, Shaney Magoski. And my email, if anyone wants to reach out directly, is shaney at theleadershiftproject.com. My podcast, The Leadership to Show, is on Spotify, Apple Podcast, you know, all, all the places. And the, the book, The Better Boss Blueprint, is for sale on Amazon. <laughs> yes. um, and I, I will say, because, I, I mean, I, I must have said the word mindset 15 times today. <laughs> and, and, and I'll, you know, if, if you'll allow me to end on, on that note again, um, for me, mindset is so important, frankly, not just professionally, but, but personally, that it, I... I I am almost ready to launch an app 
called Mindset Medicine. Mm. And, and, and so it's going to have a bunch of different mindsets from A to Z, you know, starting with like anger and anxiety going down to, uh, you, you know, I don't think there's a Z, but <laughs> you know, all the, all the way through the alphabet. So here's a stuck mindset and here's a growth or unstuck mindset that to aim for there, the, the, the medicine, the prescription is a, a few really powerful questions to get people to think. And then there are um, what I call hell yeah habits, which, cause to me, like I want people to say, hell yeah, I want to do these that are germane to helping you shift that mindset. And, and that will be launching within the next couple of months. Oh, that is so awesome. I think it's so necessary. I see. <laughs> and I think we, it, and I think a lot of it, you know, just my observation, looking at managers over the years in corporate and, and, in, you know, I just see it's a lot of it's fear-based, you know, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to, what if I don't have an answer to that question? I don't want to fail. I don't want, you know, and it's yeah. all fear-based and, and a lot of what, 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 why managers fail is fear-based and, and it's the idea of, okay, it's all right to be an amateur. It's okay to fail and fall on your face when you try something new, but you're going to learn, you're going to learn something, you're going to learn new skill set. I mean, I don't know if, if we talked about it when I was on your show, but I, I'm, I'm in my PhD program I'm 55 years old, taking a PhD. Guess what? I'm, I'm struggling. It's hard. I haven't been to school in 20 years. Right. And so I'm, I, you know, it's a struggle, but guess what? It's, it's, I'm, learning i'm growing i'm becoming a better boss because of it and and i'm exposing myself to things i've never seen before and so i'm and i'm willing to grow even at you know at where i'm at in my life and my i could say i'm a 30-year leader what do i need to learn guess what i open a book and i'm like oh you know i get into this college program and i'm like holy cow there's a whole world of research out here on leadership i never even knew existed so sure and 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 so you can't say that you're thirty. After after thirty years, I'm an expert. I, I almost could I could say that, but the truth you know, is, there's more to learn. You of know, of course, it's you know the more mature we get and the more we let go of our egos, the the more we realize how little we actually know. Right. And and another key to success is to be a lifelong learner. Yes. And you know, I, I think anyone who is smart knows to keep doing that and it doesn't have to be a phd uh, i i have a book this is one of my things i'm doing this year the daily stoic uh, you know these filters make it hard to yes yeah see the, well, yeah <laughs> it's not showing there i see a little bit here today. and there <laughs> anyway so it's 365 days of meditation on wisdom perseverance in the art of of living so like with my coffee for the past four days i am reading the half a page or a page blurb and i already started highlighting stuff so yeah. it, it can learning can look like anything it's exposing yourself to things that, that you're not doing today and and allowing your like you said lowering your ego and just allowing yourself to 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 learn and embrace something completely different that you haven't been exposed to before. We should be doing, we do it as children, but we sort of, the older we get, we kind of close that down, right? And we can't do that, especially as, especially as, as quick as the world is moving, we've got to stay open to that. We have to keep an open mindset and be willing to learn things that we don't know. For sure. Amen.
<laughs> Amen. Well, we're going to put links in the show notes for all your resources. Uh, Shaney, it has been a pleasure talking with you again, this time on my show. I really appreciate you coming on here and talking about these really important things that leaders need to be thinking about. So thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And, and happy new year. <laughs> happy new year. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.